صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, Rob. How are you doing? Mate, I'm going okay, Nasser. I'm going okay. I've been running, utilising my two hours I was allowed out. Now I can run all day long. So other than that, all I do is run. What about yourself? Uh, Mate, we're living the dream. Hopefully tomorrow we find out that our Gaza experience in Melbourne ends uh, and we get a little bit bit more safety and, and opportunity to get out and about. But we've got some exciting news, Rob. One of our dear, dear friends. We do indeed. Yep, dear friend. Very knowledgeable. Who is it, Nasa? Mr. Michael Shake. Morning, Michael. Thank you. Great to be here again. Mate, great to have you. Now, Michael, you're involved in an exciting new project, a new group in Melbourne, the Free Palestine Melbourne Group. You've done a couple of events already, which is a testament to you and your comrades. Tell us a little bit more about Free Palestine Melbourne. Well, the background of our group was that every other city in Australia had a grassroots Palestine organisation except Melbourne until this year. So there was a meeting last November where we decided that it was a good idea to hold, to try and set something up. We've been active since February. And even though we've been hit by the corona lockdown and all that drama, we've managed to build up quite a good following on Facebook and um, on emails. Uh, We've done quite a few events online and we've got a good group of people who are dedicated to Palestine. Some are Palestinian, some are not, most are non-Palestinian and we work well together and we trust each other. So we're confident that we're we're in it for the long haul. In fact, just this week, we are formally affiliated with APAN. So we're part of a national network of Palestine um, solidarity organisations in Australia now. Because we had Ihab on last week or the week before with uh, Andrew Jackson. She interviewed him. That event, how did that event go? It went well. Um, We we put Andrew on because she's a veteran journalist, uh, you know, who's covered Palestine a great deal. Uh, The idea was we had a very successful forum in July where we had people like Diana Butu um, and Mahem Mograbi talking about what annexation means for the Palestinians. Um, But we decided we didn't want another session of talking heads. We wanted to show people what it's actually like. So we partnered with a Palestinian tour guide and filmmaker who took us around. He, he made a film especially for us on what's happening in the West Bank today regarding annexation, regarding the settlements, regarding the theft of Palestinian land and water, the constriction of their freedom of movement. And we ran it live into people's um, rooms last week. And then we had a question and answer session with Andrew Jackson and Iyab, where he actually explained the dynamics of 
Israeli apartheid in the, the 21st century. So it was a good way of bringing Palestine into people's houses so they could see for themselves. How can we see that, Michael? Oh, just go, go to our Facebook page or you can, um, uh, it's, it's saved there. Uh, you can also go to our website, um, fpmelbourne.org, and it'll be on our events page there as well. And that's how, if people want to donate or join you, they can go there, fpmelbourne.org. Yep. Look, um, right now we're still holding our meetings online, but we have a meeting every second Saturday of each month. And you don't need any specialised knowledge. All you have to do is believe in the Palestinian cause and want to do your bit, um, and we welcome anyone. Most of us are not experts. Well, none of us are experts on Palestine, um, but we understand the significance of Palestine in the global struggle against racism. And that's why we all are pulling in the same direction. And we've got we've just been overwhelmed with our support from the community. The amount of money we raised from that um, uh, webinar that we had last week is just astounding. And we're sending a lot of it over to Palestine to actually help the communities affected um, that were in the film. So I've always known this, people want to help Palestine. People who understand what's going on want to do what they can to help because they understand that the Palestinians have been up against enormous forces for a hundred years, and yet they still refuse to give in. And that's been an inspiration for people around the world and it continues to be. And they know how unfair it is. They know about what the Trump administration is up to. They know about Netanyahu and now the Gulf states swing behind Israel. And they want to do their bit to help. And it's really touching how generous people are with their time and their money when they find out that there's an organisation they can join that will actually do something, not only in Melbourne, but try and build solidarity with people in Palestine as well. So I was going to say congratulations on that because it's not easy to raise money. We do like to say that there are a lot of people that were interested in Palestine, but it's not that easy to get people to put their hand in their pocket. I mean, things are pretty tough and, and difficult. So, I mean, you guys should be commended on it. Well done. Thank you. I've been amazed at how people, generous people have been. I mean, um, just a few days ago, someone we don't know, I won't mention any names because I don't know who, who it is, but they just said, um, here's $400. Um, please tell me how it's going to be spent in Palestine. So that, that was just out of the blue after seeing the film. And we've had lots of smaller donations as well. That's fantastic. You said it in one, Michael, the... the inspiration that is the steadfastness of the Palestinian people in the face of the most brutal apartheid regime, nuclear armed, 150% supported by the United States, to just remain steadfast is a testament to the invincibility of the human spirit. And in this case, it's the Palestinians, as we know, you know, previously, whether it was the, the blacks in South Africa or the, the Vietnamese in Vietnam you know, a, an Indigenous people that will not be conquered uh, is, is an inspiration to people all over the world. I think that's why they're hated so much by the other side, because they, you know, they say the Palestinians have never had an opportunity to miss an opportunity. In a way, that's right. They've had lots of offers to normalise apartheid. Arafat kept saying no. Mahmoud Abbas, for all his flaws, keeps saying no, we insist 
on, you know, a sovereign Palestinian state and our right of return. They will not give that up. And that is why they're so hated by the Israelis and the American right and people like Scott Morrison and what have you. But in a way, it's inspirational. I'd like to note that most of the people actually in free Palestine, Melbourne, are not Palestinian and most of them haven't been to Palestine, but they know enough about what's going on um, to know whose side they want to be on. You know, the reality is your moral compass doesn't have to be highly tuned to see injustice the way Zionism is perpetuating it on the Palestinians. It's, it's a testament to the humanity of those involved with your organisation there, Michael, and the money you've raised, uh, j- just how humane they are. And I was saying before yeah. about um, Indigenous people, we've forgot our brothers and sisters, both here, our Indigenous brothers and sisters in Australia, but also in particular the West Papuans and, and their struggle for independence. Look, I think, um, you know, there is a broader realignment happening around the world. It happened before in the 1960s, and it's happening again, that oppressed people are realising how much they've got in common and they need to stand together because their enemies are all united against them. I'm a little bit less optimistic than you there, Michael, though I do see uh, an increase in the connectedness, the intersectionality of struggles, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States, or in fact, you know, things like our Black Pal Solidarity Conference at Melbourne University last year, the increasing understanding of our community, the Palestinian community with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. So it's certainly increasing. The thing that hurts my head is, you know, I'm 50 and it's taken this long and I don't want it to take another 50 years. I want to enjoy a beer with you looking out over Jerusalem while we're still young enough to, to enjoy it. Yeah. Wow, yeah. we, we can hope. But, I mean, like you say, it's hopeful signs, that, you know, a lot. I, I think it's very interesting. I mean, 10 years ago, I mean, we've been doing this long enough to remember that if I'd said there was such a thing as a Muslim Zionist 10 years ago, you'd have said it was an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. If I'd have said that the centre of Muslim Zionist, Zionism was now Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, you know, two of the most reactionary stridently Muslim countries in the world, you'd probably have thought I was mad. And that was, you know, that was only a few years ago, but now that realignment is happening at the same time as, you know, people like Seth Rogen and Natalie Portman, you know, progressive Jews. And the Hulk. He's He's not a Jew. Well, you know, yeah, progressives in general, but Jews in particular Younger Jews, progressive Jews, are moving away from Zionism. And I find that a fascinating dynamic as all the kind of like despots and crooks and racists around the world are looking to Israel for inspiration. All of the progressive groups of different ethnicities are also looking to the Palestinians. And um, it's almost important. I remember a talk that I went to by Yaakov Rabkin, who's a famous Jewish scholar, and he said, it's becoming harder and harder to be a liberal and a Zionist at the same time. And I see that almost complete now. There's very few people who would actually call themselves on the left and Zionist with a straight face these days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting at the very same time as all, you know, Bolsonaro, Scott Morrison, Donald Trump, Victor Orban, Hindu nationalists, Christian evangelicals, white supremacists are all aligning behind Israel. All of the other progressive groups are aligning between Palestine because I think both sides understand 
that the Palestinian struggle today, like the struggle against apartheid in South Africa in the 20th century, is a lot bigger than Palestine. And it's part, it's kind of like a central front in a global struggle against racism and inequality. Yeah, yeah, well said, Michael, well said. I, I ask when I see people do presentations and I saw Gideon Levy and Ilan Pape and, and Mika, and I said, how much, how's it changed over the last couple of years? And they all said that they were getting many, many more people through there with great questions, not many people interrupting. So they felt that there was a shift. Now, hopefully that continues because, I, you know, with social media and, and all those sorts of things, I think it enlightens people and more people will be able to see the struggle. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think Netanyahu, his attacks on Obama and his fulsome support for Trump, both of which was unnecessary and broke with Israeli tradition, has kind of forced a lot of people to see Israel, to see things that they were deliberately trying to avoid seeing about Israel. And that's been a process that's been going for about 20 years and it's becoming harder and harder to make excuses um, when it's clear that, it, that occupation is no longer an occupation. It's no longer temporary. Israel you can't hide so it at all. It doesn't even pretend to hide the fact that it intends to, you know, keep an apartheid regime throughout all of Palestine. So that's becoming harder and harder to justify. And, you know, now both right and left are being forced to choose sides. Uh, the, the devastating thing is that, you know, um, so many right-wing forces have aligned themselves behind Israel. It's become a core celebrity, it, you know, in for every right-wing regime in the world, not just Jewish nationalists and Christian um, Zionists now, but there's Hindu nationalists, and as I said, there's Muslim nationalists, there's Buddhist nationalists, you name it. You know, they um, all look to Israel as a light unto nations. They all look to Israel as a way their country could be. And what they're looking for, Michael, and if we, if we look at the normalisation, who Israel just normalised with, you know, the United Arab Emirates, bastard kingdom ruling you know a fat and lazy population indigenous population but run by migrant workers who are you know their passports are taken off them at the airport they're paid barely living wages that they remit back to their home countries in in uh, middle asia bahrain the royal family there rules over a majority shia population the reality is normalization gets them access to funky stuff to control their populace, be it surveillance stuff, good guns, yeah. F-35s, etc. So, you know, Israel trumpeting, trumpeting the fact that they're normalizing with the Arab world. I mean, these countries haven't spent a bullet at uh, Israel since maybe not even in 1948. And here they are mm. making peace with them. They were never at war. Mm, mm. I don't know if they could have normalised before the failure of the Arab Spring, though, because, you know, they still had to keep public opinion on the side. Mm. But since the failure of the Arab Spring and, you know, Bahrain's spectacular crackdown on its own people, even yeah. inviting Saudia tanks across the causeway to murder its own people and to torture them, now they don't. Now they've kind of broken with that consensus. It's very clear that, that it's just a despotic royal family oppressing its people, and when they look to Netanyahu, they realise they've got a lot more in common with him than they once thought. I think. Yeah, and they've got a lot more in common with them than a Palestinian in Gaza or 
a blue ID holder, a Jerusalem ID holder in, in, in Palestine. That's my read on it. That, you know, the failure of the... 100%. You know, the, we should speak to that, that moment when Bahrain invited those Saudi tanks across the uh, causeway to help uh, quell those, uh, the Arab Spring protests there. The fact is the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain could not have normalised could not have, would not have, without the express permission door opening of Saudi Arabia. Mm, yeah. And, you know, the incredible thing is, you know, this is the centre of Salafi Islam around the world. It sends out missionaries to Indonesia and all other countries to make them more Muslim and more conservative. And now they're leading the charge to normalise relations with Israel at the very same time as it's embedding an apartheid regime in Jerusalem. It's just incredible. Uh, like I said, if I'd have said this 10 years ago, you'd have said I was mad, but it's happening before our eyes now. Yeah, it is, it, it's, it's bloody tragic. The, the reality on the ground for Palestinians, you know, Gaza's in lockdown now, it's 14th year. We spoke to Mushir a couple of times this year and he was telling us about the challenges they're having Israel has been able to, aside from, and we've spoken about it before, you know, subcontract the security of the occupation to the PA. Gaza's quiet. I mean, you know, they're dealing now with COVID bad enough that they're under siege now. COVID's in there, you know, with only a couple hundred ventilators to look after two million people in hospitals that have been bombed back, you know, a hundred years and without enough medication and four hours of power and, you know, 50% of the population under 18 the fact that there isn't an uprising, that there isn't, you know, another intifada. And, you know, I've spoken to people in Palestine and they think the next intifada will be against the PA, not against Israel, that the reform needs to come from within. But the fact that the Palestinians aren't reacting in any way today, what do you, what do you, what do you put that down to, Michael? I always used to wonder that until I actually went there. And the truth is, I mean, the enormous amount of force used against them and, you know, the surveillance, the informers, and the certainty that, look, life is not great if you don't resist, but life will be awful for you and your extended family if you do resist. I mean, they're rational actors. And, um, you know, I came away thinking, well, why, why haven't you given in already? Uh, I mean... The, just look what happened in um, um, 2018. You, um, the, the largest peaceful protest, you know, the, the, you know, people always say, where's the Palestinian Gandhi? Where's the Palestinian Martin Luther King? And we, they never dreamed. Got millions of them. They never dreamed of the march or anything like the March of Return. Walking towards the border with, you know, to go back to their own homes, facing down Israeli snipers with nothing with their own bodies. And they were massacred in their hundreds and maimed in their thousands. And they kept going back week after week after week. I mean, that is just a, a tale of incredible courage, but also, so sh also shows the incredible violence that's used against them. I mean, I just can't imagine that kind of courage, but, I mean, it's just horrifying um, the level of force that Israeli not only uses, but is willing to justify using. And 
the most dispiriting thing about that great march of return was all these great people, you know, like Bono and Barack Obama, who've been calling on the, the Palestinians to non-violently resist. When they finally do it, when they finally do something that Martin Luther King would never have dreamed of doing, they had nothing to say. When they were gunned down, they had absolutely nothing to say. So to me, it's not like, why do the Palestinians rise up? Um, I can understand that. It's why they do rise up again and again. Um, you know, sometimes successfully, they had a uprising in Jerusalem about three years ago after, over those metal detectors, and it was quite successful. You know, they actually dismantled those metal detectors at the entrance of the Haram al-Sharif and all that, and it was a, um, but, but, you know, the courage to go back again and again against a very motivated, well-armed apartheid state that, you know, systematically uses torture and murder and all kinds of other punishments against an unarmed people. That is the thing that amazes me. Not why don't they rise up, it's why they keep rising up again and again. Yeah, well said, Michael, well said. While we get a chance and while we still remember we've got a bit of time, remind people that tonight, is the Edward Said Memorial Lecture. And we had um, the AFOPA, Australian Friends of Palestine Association. We had them on a couple of weeks ago. So don't forget that's tonight. Um, Melissa Park will be delivering uh, the, the keynote there. The title is The Conscious Pariah, How Distortions of Fact, Contortions of Logic and Assassinations of Character are Used Against Critics of Israel While It Poses as a Plucky Democracy and the Eternal Victim. So that's tonight. Best title ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolute gold. It's, a it's beautiful. So that's 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Now, tickets were closed, I think, on Thursday or Friday. If you go to the AFOPA website, that's afopa.com.au, afopa.com.au. If you go there, and there's a way for you to be able to register for tonight. So... Don't miss it. If you have registered, don't forget. And if you haven't registered, go to afopa.com.au to hear from Melissa Park, who had another win during the week over David Chalmers. So only Colin Rubenstein to go, which is good news, Michael. Oh, she's a fantastic woman. I really admire her integrity and courage. She's, um, you know, an inspiration. She'd be an inspiration to all politicians. It's just a shame that she didn't um, had to drop out under pressure from the Israel lobby after that character assassination campaign. Well, I mean, thankfully, the West Australian and Herald Sun have both paid money and apologised and given an opportunity to write um, op-eds to clarify her position and to state unequivocally um, that advocacy for the Palestinian people, for the just right of the Palestinians to live freely in their ancient homelands is not anti-Semitic. And the weaponization of that slur is something that, you know, just is so beneath Judaism and really besmirches the, the memory of those that were killed by real anti-Semitism, uh, Nazism and all the other anti-Semitism in Western Europe. It's a Western European disease, anti-Semitism, not an Arab one. Even with the apologies, uh, damage was still done, unfortunately, and uh, that's part of what they like to do. Well, there's no question. You, know, you throw a lot of shit, some of it sticks. Mm. And, and there's a lot of shit thrown. She, mm. she is a woman of deep integrity. Now, as you said, Michael, 
We could only wish that there were more politicians with, with her integrity. I think she's very much respected in the Labour Party as well. She might get back in. They know that it was a stitch up. Um, so, so we'll see. Now that she's been vindicated, she might run again. Well, we can only hope so. We can only hope so. I look forward to hearing um, Colin Rubenstein's defence. Hopefully it'll we'll get discuss released. discuss it one week, shall we? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the court case is still going, um, as I understand it. He has yet to apologise or withdraw his remarks. He wrote an uh, op-ed that was widely distributed and published. So hopefully he's held to account uh, the same as the others. We'll get our people to sort of reach out to his people and see if we can get him on uh, and discuss it all. <laughs> Uh, it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm not sure that he'd, he'd want to avail himself of our platform. Wouldn't be the. No, he'd be too intimidated <laughs> by our vast <laughs> intellect and wealth and yes. wealth of ideas. Yeah, yeah. That's probably exactly right. nicer. Yeah, Michael, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Why don't, why don't we talk a little bit more about Free Palestine Melbourne and how people might join you and what you guys got, have got planned for the rest of the year? I know November is usually Palvember. Uh, we usually have a ton of activities, but this year, because of COVID, of course, in Victoria, not so much. Okay, well, we are hoping to uh, partner with other Palestinian organisations on Palestine National Day, when there'll be a flag raid being, raising in Federation Square. And I'll just, it's only in the planning phase, but we're determined to do it. Later in the month, we'll be holding a, another forum on normalisation not just what it means to Palestine, but fixing in its regional and global context, explaining um, why um, the Gulf countries are normalizing their relations with Israel and why now, and why they are so determined to demonize the Palestinians. Because look, Israel has made peace with Egypt and Jordan um, a long time ago, but Sadat, and King Hussein, they never demonized and vilified and humiliated the Palestinians the way that they've been humiliated by the Saudis. And uh, we'll be looking at the, the relevance of that and what it actually means for the future of the Palestinian struggle. But that's still in the planning phase. If you want to know more, you can follow us on Facebook. You can um, go, go to our website and we have a monthly newsletter as well that you can subscribe to and we'll really appreciate it because we know there's a lot of people out there who want to know more and we're, we're trying to fill that need. That's fantastic, Michael. Actually, we've got another event on Sunday. It might be Pal-tober instead of Palvember this year. Pax Christi Victoria, they're, they're hosting a, an amazing a polymath, Dr. Chandra Muzaffar. He's the president of the International Movement for a Just World, former professor and director of the Centre for Civilization Dialogue, University of Malaysia, and a professor of global studies at University Sons Malaysia. He'll be doing a presentation called Palestine, a turning point. That's on Sunday from 2 to 3.30 p.m. If you want more details on that, we'll put it in the podcast. But if you go to paxchristi.org.au, that's P-A-X-C-H-R-I-S-T-I.org.au, paxchristi.org.au. Again, details in the podcast. Professor Joseph Camilleri, he's, he's facilitating that. So... I'll be there and it'll be great for um, others to, to join us. Before we finish up, uh, Michael and I often talk about this particular podcast, which is great to learn about Palestine. Michael, just tell us what one is it and why should we listen to it? Okay, the podcast is Martyr Made and the series is called Fear and Loathing in the New Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. It deals with the history of the Israel-Palestine conflict from the mid-19th century all the way through to the Nakba in 1948. 
it's just a fantastic uh, history series that really teaches you a great deal. I put Yusuf al-Rimari onto it, and he's a great expert on Palestine history, as you both know, but he said he learned so much. Well, that's um, saying something. We didn't think we could teach him anything. Exactly, exactly. So, now I'd recommend it. It's not for experts. It's for people who don't know anything about Palestine. But even people like you and me who've been doing this for a long time, it's, it's very interesting. It's not even pro-Palestine. It's just a fact. Yeah, you said it's unbiased, which is pretty good. It's a factual account of what happened. And the facts are in our fa- always in our favour. So, yeah, if, if you don't have time to read books, um, it's a very good podcast to listen to. Marta Maid, Fear and Loathing in the New Jerusalem. Fantastic. I'm sure people will jump on. I haven't actually forgotten about it. I haven't actually listened to it for a couple of years. Has he, is he still going? Oh, he's, he's doing one about Jim Jones's People's Temple now. Wow. And that's really good as well. <laughs> I mean, because so, we, 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 should, we should give our listeners some, I mean, these are long podcasts. You won't often listen to one through. No, but most people don't have time to read books now where they um, are listening more and more to podcasts. So, I mean, I could recommend a few good books, but generally people prefer to listen to podcasts. Well, you can listen to them when you drive, when you walk, when you're in the doctor's surgery waiting to go in. Uh, it's so easy. And before, I think before yeah. you know it, you've, you've gone three or four hours in. Obviously not in one setting. I can't do that. Uh, but two or three sittings, it's pretty easy. That's uh, another show in the can. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Michael, for joining us. You're welcome. Pleasure. Great to speak to you again, mate. Uh, thanks, Rob. Don't forget tonight, Melissa Park, Edward Seed Memorial Lecture, and tomorrow, Dr. Chandra. I'll put those details in the podcast if you didn't catch them, so you'll be able to click on the link. Thanks for listening. And remember, there's never been a better time to free Palestine. Share the podcast. Tune in next week. Take care and free Palestine.